Hello, one and all, distinguished guests, ladies, gentlemen, and those of us that know better, to Artificial Ghost Bites, Episode 2. This week, Mars has been busy recording, editing, and promoting their new podcast, Deck of Friendship, so I figured I would come in here with another episode of Bites. Uh, so, Deck of Friendship is a podcast where Marble, Ray, and Mars watch and review an episode of an anime that's based off a real-life game. Each week, they meet each episode with genuine enthusiasm as they discuss the themes and arcs of the show while making theories and AU stories and try to make each other laugh. Deck of Friendship can be found on Lunalight Studio every Tuesday or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Right now, they are doing Yu-Gi-Oh! I believe season one, uh, and they will move into other games like uh, Bakugan, Digimon, uh, Beyblade, a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, Hopefully, I might be on an episode or two in the future. Go listen to it. It's family-friendly. You can listen to it with your kids, with your siblings, with your cousins. You're gonna love it. <clears throat> All right, so much like uh, Artificial Ghost Bites episode one, where I looked at Hades Town by Anais Mitchell and Justin Vernon, the uh, concept album of, that is, not the off-Broadway version, because the off-Broadway version sucks shit. Uh, this is also going to be an album retrospective, so I will be discussing Northbound by Neil Hilborn. Uh, so in this, I will be discussing uh, mental illness, uh, specifically OCD and bipolar disorder, as well as depression and anxiety, uh, self-harm slash suicide and intrusive thoughts. So if any of those things are triggering to you or if this is something you aren't interested in, I understand completely and Mars and I will see you next week for our regularly scheduled programming. I'm just going to quickly pause because my cat is at my window. Neil Hilborn is an American slam poet from Houston, Texas, who was born in 1990. He regularly tours and teaches poetry workshops for college students and older after the success of his work, both online and published. His work is a raw and careful recounting of a man that struggles greatly with self-worth, attachment, and overcoming intrusive, damaging thoughts. If you have seen any of Neil's work, it is almost certainly his poem OCD, performed for the prolific button poetry recorded in Madison, Wisconsin in 2013. Now with over 14 million views on YouTube alone, on his performances, Neil said, I have this thing where in exactly the right moment, it's like I'm behind myself, watching myself do the poem, and it feels like I'm not saying words anymore. I'm just flowing waves of energy out into the audience and just receiving waves of energy back. I'll be going through and describing uh, some of my favorite poems from Northbound uh, with some of my favorite lines, uh, some criticisms, and why I personally like poetry so much. So Northbound is a 20-track journey through the poet's struggles with mental illness in The Future, Clatter, It Was the Summer, Punk Rock John, OCD, and Downtown Greenway Extension, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Love in Static Electricity, Como Conservatory, St. Paul Winter, Phone Freaking, Future Tense, Otsego County, and Liminality. Family in Unnumbered Days, Problems in America in Dust Mop, Motown, and Carver, and the action of coping through comedy. The Mating Habits of the North American Hipster, Audiobook, Pop Butterfly Conservatory, New York, Summer, and Unsolicited Advice to Minnesota Children. It is all achingly personal. The struggles of intrusive thoughts, of craving change in the taboo and chasing some non-existent idea, of bursting free from the cocoon of society to fly away as your own butterfly, even if it means dying the next day. 
So now I'm going to be going over some of my favorite tracks and their sort of meanings and my favorite lines uh, and why I like them so much, some of my personal favorites. So starting with the opening track, The Future. The worst thing about being naked and then being hit by a car is that road rash is a problem for skin. Why was I naked in the middle of the road at noon? I'm glad you asked, imaginary other half of this conversation. I have no idea. Some characteristics of bipolar disorder include dissociation, hallucinations, and fugue states. So sometimes I wake up in places I didn't go to sleep. So, there I am, nude, splayed out on the hood of a car like a slutty chicken, and I'm screaming about a government conspiracy to take away my feet. Not my real feet, just my brain feet. The Future is a fascinating account of the effects of bipolar disorder and of how people experience audiovisual hallucinations. Having this as the opening track, I think, is a great summary of Neil's humour and the genres he tackles. Uh, my favourite line is, is probably the opening, uh, which is, The worst thing about being naked and then being hit by a car is that road rash is a problem for skin. It is his neuroses, his dissociation, his panic, his urge to claw upwards and outwards out of his body, while at the same time keeling over with laughter. From his interview with Amplify, uh, there's an N in there, I don't know why. <laughs> From his interview with Amplify.com. I probably shouldn't reveal this, but I close all my sets with The Future, which is about how I have bipolar disorder, and the way in which I've decided to love myself and not kill myself. I decided to close my sets with that poem because no matter how tired or worn out I am, I get to the end of my set and I just think, I love this poem. Just the chills in my spine, man. Next up, uh, I would like to compare the two... I. Again, they're all my favorites. I don't want to pick sides, but these two are really um, specific in ways that I love them when paired with and contrasted and uh, sort of uh, uh, put upon characters that I like. Um, uh, specifically, I don't know if this is interesting, this might get cut. Uh, specifically, Caleb Widogast from uh, Critical Role Season 2. Uh, anyway. Uh, these two poems are Clatter and Our Numbered Days. Both uh, are a fantastic exploration of the guilt uh, between parent and child. Uh, he seems to really love his mother uh, and is terrified of losing her or disappointing her. And oftentimes when you have mental illness that is on the forefront of your mind is these people that raised you. Uh, it is no fault of theirs, but you feel like you are doing them a disservice by being ill. Uh, and you're sort of betraying what they taught you. And so he has a fantastic exploration of that relationship. First with Clatter in the lines, I can't call my mother because she makes me panic. When I say that I am crying, what I really mean is that I want to cry but can't. Uh, and then in Unnumbered Days, one of my personal all-time favorites, not just of Neil Hillborns, but of slam poetry in general. When my mother dies, I will lead her like a dog into the space between our walls, which is just like the space between here and always, the king and the kingdom. I will lead her by the hand if she be blind, and I will wag my tail against her knees if she be afraid, and I will leave her at the gate. Life on earth will, in some ways, be easier. I will not have to return her phone calls. I will not have to feel guilty when I 
want to hear no more, no more about the divorce. I won't cry, though I will want to cry, though I will hate myself for not crying. When my mother dies, if I am still alive, I will slouch on my knees as though in prayer. I will write one or two poems, and I will no longer think of her. Changing energy completely into another fantastic exploration of character in uh, the ways that Neil sometimes describes it is because he has uh, three minutes and under, really, to perform a poem at any given time. He often compiles uh, the people from his stories into one character. And I didn't, I wasn't able to find much about Punk Rock John. But it seems like the culmination of a few different experiences. I was 15 years old, thinking about unzipping my veins, but while most kids my age would have done drugs or written a fucking poem, I went to shitty bars and basements and gave my best friends black eyes for the first time in my life. I knew when I fell, someone was going to pick me up. That first mosh pit was not a quiet conversation about suicide. It was punk rock John telling me, hey, asshole, don't kill yourself. Don't waste your unscarred knuckles. Uh, It's an exploration of the punk scene where Neil lived as a teenager. I'm guessing still in Houston. A place where you can fuck yourself up and it means nothing. Uh, I always think about the line, hey, asshole. Don't kill yourself. Don't waste your unscarred knuckles. Which I think I mentioned on our Edgy Songs episode when I talked about I'm Not Okay, I Promise by My Chemical Romance. I think it's a really good poem to hear if you are depressed, if you have anxiety, if you are suicidal, in that it tells you that it is okay to not be okay right now. And it is okay to hurt. And there are ways that you can want to hurt while it's still being productive. And it's not healthy necessarily, but it's coping. Uh, And I find that really interesting. And that's all of punk culture really is finding ways to not necessarily healthily do so, but to cope. So uh, two of the sort of uh, favorite line slash paragraphy sort of bits, stanzas, if you will, uh, even though these aren't written in a traditional poetry context, um, is sort of the mid poem and the end of the poem. John told us the church of punk rock was always open. If you want to pray, just crank up the stereo until your ears bleed. If you want to pray, just grab your brothers and sing. Sing out of tune, sing the wrong words, just sing loud. And then at the end, when the world is larger than I am, when my chest is a vice, I put that needle on the record, I turn it up until I can't hear shit, and I tell myself, as long as I have hands, I can break something. As long as we can breathe, we can sing. As long as I can remember, I will hear him. He says, kid, you'll be fine. Uh, Punk Rock John is a song about uh, finding yourself in the punk scene of being a teen that when others would write poetry and seek help, he sought dive bars and violence. And it's a poem about being saved by Punk Rock John and seeing Punk Rock John be murdered uh, and trying to leave punk behind, but it constantly being a part of you, which I think is a fantastic little moment in history for Neil. Uh, so now moving away from perhaps the um, mental illness poem with the future uh, and then sort of the clatter and unnumbered days of familial love and and punk rock john of nostalgia we move into uh one of the more 
unique, even though all of them are unique, one of the more unique um, narrative uh, fictional poems on the album. This is, I believe, the only complete moment of fiction or of um, created story, something that Neil hasn't experienced. Carver is based off the story of the Donna Reed Party a group of folks travelling from the Midwest to California in the mid-19th century. The party got stuck in the mountains in terrible snow and blizzards, eventually resulting in the party cannibalising each other. Only 48 of the original 87 made it to California. And this poem, Carver, is named after the character in this poem, Sam Carver, which, as far as I can tell, is a made-up person. Uh, and this is my favourite sort of lines of it. This is quite graphic, quite gory, uh, if that isn't your sort of scene. <clears throat> I caught myself staring at McNabb as he laid down in the snow. I'd never been so hungry. And when Sam smiled... I saw the gates of heaven clanging shut, and he said that Providence wanted us to eat, wanted us to have this, and I bit into his raw and frozen thigh. His blood tasted like every single word a manifest destiny spit out and a howl from the devil. The last thing I saw before I passed out was Carver heading west with two human legs over his shoulder. He was just whistling, walking to California. A couple of the poems, like I mentioned earlier, Dust Mop, Motown, and Carver, are sort of critiquing the idea of America. This one, in a more traditional sense, uh, this manifest destiny, this, you know, everything uh, to the, whatever it is, to the west of you belongs to uh, American citizens, all that sort of stuff, taking of land. Native Americans don't belong here, it is ours. Um, and this whole freedom idea. Uh, which is a very shitty and not true way of thinking about freedom because freedom is freedom for all, not freedom for the specific. And it's this weird sort of parable of uh, guilt and uh, of surviving and of literal and metaphorical cannibalization of the land and of your fellow people. Um, and it is this metaphor for uh, the first settlers of America being just bad people, but not getting that they're being bad people. And then it accelerates to this point where they're literally cannibalizing each other. Um, and, and this main character can hear the gates of heaven clanging shut. The only thing he ever cared about. Um, and, and the most important thing to Sam Carver was walking the California. Uh, and, and so with the other two, Dust Mop and, uh, Motown, Dust Mop is about, uh, Native American kids. Uh, and, and the ending of it goes something like, um, my shirt ripped while the kid was trying to get the basketball from me, and that is the extent that the Native Americans have taken from me. Sort of critiquing this whole idea of like, oh, Native Americans don't deserve like handouts and all this sort of stuff, uh, which is a good thing to criticize in my opinion. And Motown is about the guilt of being Southern, uh, but growing up in a very uh, white community and not knowing if your family were the ones supporting slave liberation or they are the ones that had slaves. Um, and so that isn't like, you know, uh, his main sort of source of inspiration in his work, but he does do a lot of Americana work. Um, and I think it's always quite interesting to explore. 
The last one I'll talk about, uh, maybe not the best one to leave it off on, but uh, is the last track, Liminality. As some of us know, liminal spaces are the spaces in between everything. Uh, In America, liminality is a big thing uh, because America is so big and so widespread that between uh, car trips, between rest stops, gas stations, uh, small towns in the middle of nowhere, in all the stretches of desert and forest is liminality. It is where things feel thinner. It is where whatever veils are between whatever worlds are the thinnest. So the poem Liminality is about two people getting into a car crash, and one of them, presumably Neil, recounting their love while frozen in time moments before their implied death. Uh, These are the last few lines. Heaven is an exhausted horse laying down to die. It is you and your ceiling fans conversing in whispers. Heaven is floating to earth in this already shattered car. I will lie here forever and sing to you all the things I stopped myself from saying while we were alive. And that is the closing of the album. The conflict I have mostly with Neil's work is a certain type of romanticization of mental illness in his work. In his poem, Joey, uh, not featured on Northbound, he says, Joey got a promotion and now he can afford antidepressants. Joey is Joe now. Joe is a cold engine in which none of the parts complain. Joe is a brock, someone made out of fossils. If you removed money from the equation, Joey would have been painting elk on cave walls. People would have fed him and kept him away from high places because goddamn, look at those elk. I think the genes for being an artist and mentally ill aren't just related, they're the same gene. But try telling that to a bill collector. While the sentiment is a kindness, talking about how Joey is a product of the uncaring nature of capitalism, it tells the audience that antidepressants make you less creative, more serious, part of growing up. Personally, my 20 milligrams per day of fluoxetine makes me feel like a human being again. Even if I had the energy to pick up a pen while without antidepressants, my brain is still a grey box where no ideas grow without them. Everyone reacts differently on different medication, which may well be the case with Joey and with Neil, but for many of us, we cease to function without them. Pharmaceuticals and technology in medicine has gotten a lot better. Uh, It still has a long way to go, but for many of us, it's the only way we can cope. Which I still think his way of uh, critiquing sort of capitalism in that sense and of critiquing how we need to make money uh, is still very relevant. Comparatively, here's a wonderful excerpt from Hannah Gatsby, a lesbian comedian from my home state, from her special Nanette for Netflix. Uh, A little bit of context, I believe she is a fine arts major. That's why she's talking about art in this bit. A couple of years ago, a man came up to me after my show. He had an opinion. Lesbians give feedback. Men, opinions. Now, in the show, I'd spoken about taking antidepressant medication, and he had an opinion on that. Now, interestingly, I'd also spoken about how unhelpful unsolicited advice is in a mental health plan, but he mustn't have heard that bit. He came up to me after the show to give me his opinion. He said, You shouldn't take medication because you're an artist. It's important that you feel, he said. If Vincent van Gogh had taken medication, we wouldn't have the sunflowers. I never, ever, ever thought that my art history degree would ever come in handy. But oh my lord, I tore that man a college debt-sized new asshole. I said, good opinion, mate, except that he did medicate. A lot. He self-medicated a lot. He drank a lot. He even nibbled on his own paints. Problem. And also, you know what else? He didn't just paint sunflowers. He did quite a few portraits of psychiatrists. 
not just random ones, psychiatrists that were treating him and medicating him. And there's one particular portrait of one particular psychiatrist, and he's holding a flower, and it isn't a sunflower. It's a foxglove, and that foxglove forms part of a medication that Van Gogh took for epilepsy. The derivative of the foxglove, if you overdose it a bit, you know what happens? You can experience the colour yellow a bit too intensely. So perhaps we have the sunflowers precisely because Van Gogh medicated. What do you honestly think, mate? I said. That creativity means you must suffer? That is the burden of creativity? Just so you can enjoy it? Fuck you, mate. If you like sunflowers so much, buy a bunch and jerk off into a geranium. In any case, I still love Northbound. It may be strange to bring an album of spoken word rather than an actual music album, uh, ones with, you know, songs on it because this is a music podcast. Uh, However, in an interview for The Odyssey Online with Brianna Hines, they said, Would you say poetry could be lyrical in a way? Neil said, Yeah, for sure. Lyric and lyrical are two terms that I always talk about when talking poetry. It might mean something different in poetry circles to me. Lyricism is you cannot have a good poem, especially a good spoken word poem, without abstraction and lyricism. Narrative is important, necessary to writing a good poem. I think lyricism is what separates poetry from prose. I think you need a narrative to kind of place people and say, all right, here are some concrete ideas we are working off of. Lyricism is what allows a poem to transcend. It's not the most important, but it is a defining feature of poetry. There are many ways to be musical without instruments, ways to be lyrical without rhyming or singing, and there's ways to publish an album without a single note or chord accompanying it. There's something very special and very raw about having nothing but someone's voice in your ears, blunt and straight to the point, telling you a handful of stories in a handful of minutes. It's nice when he or other slam poets that come up with my Spotify playlist uh, take me out of the music. It's a nice break. It brings me back to earth for a moment, where an audio piece's narrative is more clear-cut and defined. I have friends that have and still do perform slam poetry, have won awards and competitions. Even I write poetry sometimes. Right now, I'm finishing up a few poems for an art gallery that I'm in next month about being transgender, and the experience has been really rewarding. I haven't done it since I was in college. Maybe one day I'll share with the class, but who knows. The first slam poetry night I went to, I was 17, turning 18 later that year. I was there to see my friend Jasper perform, uh, with my other friends Ezra, who I bought as my themed song back in episode 9, Pip, Jove, and Foster. It was nice. Everyone was still inexperienced and awkward, and I was meeting new people. But it was bright late into the evening, and filled with a joyous, buzzing energy. My friends bought me ciders because I was underage, and I corrected the bartender's pronouns when speaking to me. The first time in memory I'd done so to a stranger. Maybe because I was feeling emboldened by being surrounded by other queer artists. Maybe something else. I felt sheepish for doing so later. However, he came upstairs to where the poetry night was being held, bringing someone's order up, and bought me a bowl of free chips. Here, Andy apologized for the slip-up. It made me feel so warm and cared for. It was something that he didn't have to do. Uh, And it was just such a clear moment of how not everyone is going to be awful to you. You will find a space where there will still be strangers uh, or friends or family that will just be kind to you because you're a good person. Uh, And because of that, it's a night I won't soon forget. In any case, that's all I really have to say about Neil Hillborn and Northbound. You can find Neil on Spotify and Bandcamp or on Twitter at Neilicorn. That is N-E-I-L-I-C-O-R-N. If you want to get started listening to your slam poetry or you want some recommendations, I might post a little playlist on the Artificial Ghost Twitter. But here's a short list. 
Button poetry and their top viewed videos on YouTube are a great place to start for some more just base, entry level, fairly commercial, interesting poetry. Uh, some personal favourites of mine that are a little bit less known are by Jinan Verlee. I recommend starting with Jezebel Revisits the Book of Kings and Lessons on Loving a Prophet. The Last Judgment by Hilary Kobernick, uh, Dear Straight People by Denise Froman, uh, 14 Lines from Love Letters or Suicide Notes by Doc Lubin, uh, and A Letter to the Girl I Used to Be by Ethan Smith, a great transgender poem. Uh, and my all-time favorite is Alien Suite by Sophia El Helio, a 16-minute epic about being a displaced minority in America. For more spoken word mixed with music, check out Flat Sound. My personal favorite album of his is I Clung to You, Hoping We'd Both Drown. Oh no, I didn't write down a little outro thing. Oh no. <laughs> I'll wing it. Uh, let's see. You can find Artificial Ghost Radio, this podcast, on Twitter at ArtGhostPod. You can email us at ArtGhostPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Or what's a fun one? Thank you so much for having a bite with me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Artificial Ghost Radio. And we will see you, I will see you on the other side.